Hey guys, this is a bit of a first for us, but we've got a content warning this week. We have got a great guest on the show this episode, but we do also have a bit of swearing to go with him. So if you are listening with children or your nana or uh, nuns, then you may want to turn the volume down a bit. Anyway, I hope you will enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome to the Sunny 16 podcast. I'm Aid, and you are listening to show number 58. It's still hot here in the southern ends of the UK and I've been travelling around the country a bit recently and it seems to be hot everywhere else. Apart from Glasgow where I was last Wednesday and it was a bit cooler so I'm looking forward to tomorrow's rain. I suspect though that my co-host is not looking forward to torrential rain. How you doing Graham? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I don't like this hot weather. I also don't want it to rain. Um, being a gardener, the weather is basically good for about, I'd say, 5% of the year. It's what we want, which from my personal taste is just quite cool. <laughs> nice breeze, reasonably sunny. But no, a torrential rain tomorrow is not a great forecast for me. But uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Um, sit in the dry and play video games if it's that bad. So <laughs> every cloud has a silver lining. Fair enough. Uh, but in the meantime, you could uh, you could use the opportunity to introduce our guest. Oh, we have got, you know, it seems weird that it's taken us this long um, to get this gentleman on. Uh, and in all fairness, he was outraged at how long it has taken us. I won't. I, I can't say what he actually <laughs> said when I finally got around to asking him. But he he let it be known that he also felt that it, it was an outrageously long time. Um, the, uh, what's the word? Not author, the creator of another of the biggest um resources for film photography on the internet we had them a few weeks ago and here's another great person from that uh, it is of course hamish gill um wonderful photographer dude behind 35 mmc and all-round fantastical person welcome to the show hamish sorry it's been so long <laughs> i'll let you off i shall take that string of compliments as well thank you very much <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to come on again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, obviously, we'll leave it another, at least a good, you know, too long before we have you back on again, because it seems only fair. Um, You you say that, but me me and Emma have already been plotting to get ourselves together, both of us, back on here. See, in some ways, I I was going to say you like the anti-M, not in the Spider-Man sense, but um, in the the, the opposite of M, because you, you both are running these fantastic blogs photography blogs with loads of resources on and you're both out there talking about film and sharing your thoughts and feelings but you have the balls to put your name to yours whereas m kind of doesn't um so it, it's great to have somebody who put their money where their mouth is it's really wonderful to have you here um <laughs> we I, I i you know i've uh, the first time i spoke to him on on the phone we kind of had that conversation about why he uh, you know why he doesn't why he doesn't put his name out there? I got bored of listening to it. To be honest. <laughs> I was gonna say he's he's been <laughs> you the same line that he's put. Yeah, he yeah. So when I listened to him on here, I was like, oh god. 
he's 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 on the run or something. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, he's obviously he's obviously dodgy. But yeah, that's 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 fine. You know, he's he's trying to he's trying to make he's trying to make you know he's trying to make up for some. God only knows what he's done. He's trying to make up for it by you know doing something positive for the community or whatever. You know. Yeah. <laughs> He's aiming for karmic balance. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, the only yeah. logical explanation for what he's trying to do. Um, <clears throat> I suppose we probably ought to start off with the place that most people are going to know you from, which is 35MMC. Um, and I I don't find much stuff very often <laughs> because I'm terrible at using the internet, it turns out. Um, but I think I first got introduced to your website because I, I bought a point-and-shoot camera i can't remember which one it was it may have been the um the waterproof canon af whatever it is yeah yeah Um, and so i was going okay i'll google this bit and found my way to your website and i I was just blown away by what your website is i mean it's it's an incredible resource of of reviews and articles and blogs uh, of all sorts of stuff and a, a lot of stuff which i the thing that immediately grabbed me was how much stuff you had about kind of the forgotten class of cameras, the, mm. the point and shoots, not just the really high end ones, but also just the real garbage ones too. I was like, mm. great. I'm so glad this is here. Yeah. Have, you, did... have, you, have you come across um, canny cameras, uh, Alan? No. Yes. Okay. Uh, Austeritycamera.co.uk. That's another one on the, he, that. I mean, he, he's really into his, shit cameras <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I, uh, I but it's a it's a great it's a great website how am i calling am i calling it right is it canny cameras yeah it is he writes he's written a couple of blog posts for me um and i've written a couple for him actually um but he's a good guy he sent me uh a helena mm. helena something or other yeah I mean, he said one of the panoramic ones that's got the panoramic viewfinder, and he sent it me with the panoramic film gate snapped out. And, I, and I, he tells me that this wasn't intentional, but <coughs> yeah. So, so he sent you basically he sent you a rubbish Helena camera that just had a slightly obscured viewfinder with nothing else to say about it. That's yes, very kind of him. That's a a broken, kind. a crap, broken, crap camera. Yeah. That's very thoughtful but, of him. Uh, you know, and, and, but to be fair to him and um, the camera itself and the sort of message of his blog, I suppose in the same way that, you know, I quite like perpetuating the idea that it's not only is it okay to take photos with really cheap cameras, but, you know, you can get pretty decent results if you kind of accept, well, set your expectations and also shoot them inappropriately in good light mostly yeah um, so how long yeah. have you how long has the 35 mmc blog been going at this point uh may the 19th 2013 okay so you that's four years now what what made you start it um in the first place and was this originally supposed to just be a blog that you were doing for yourself or did you always envisage it's, it being it, it kind of still is something i do for my i'm doing for myself it, it it's just Yeah, I guess as it turns, I mean, I run a website company, so I'm quite, you know, I kind of know about how to make a website that works. So I just kind of applied that. But anyway, to answer the question to start with, um, I, it was just after, about a year after my uh, youngest daughter was born, a year after, two years after, two years after, 
yeah, 18 months, whatever. Um, and I was, I'd have, I mean, I've had like range finders and, and, and film, I've been taking photos since I was nine. Um, and I've had, you know, all sorts of cameras over the years. Um, my career as a photographer had taken me down the road of, you know, stupidly great big Nikon D3, and which is a fantastic camera, but completely useless for anything else apart from professional photography. Um, and then I, so I'd got like a compact, uh, one of the, you know, like a Sony Nex 5 or something like that. And I quite like sticking random lenses on the front of it, taking photos of my daughter when she was quite young. Um, but didn't, I just never, never found it really particularly fulfilling, I suppose. I, I never, I remember, I remember going out trying to take photos where I, I, I bought like a, uh, a genie or whatever you call it um 28 mil type 3r or something it's one of the first um retrofocus um, lenses from the 1950s and that, you know took lovely effectively blurred photos but they were nonetheless very nice and i can remember shooting this thing on this next and trying to take photos where really all i was looking for was, or looking to do were trying to take photos to see what the out of focus background this is stupid why am i i'm trying to take photos so i can look at the blurred bit which is you know i almost refuse to use the word that begins with b but i'm not opposed to discussing it as a subject matter i've got a very very long blog post about it on 35 mc but why people get so focused on things like the out of focus is just beyond me so anyway i got to the stage of this and just was just bored and there's a chap and i can't remember his name uh, he's a photographer he lives in birmingham somewhere um no i can't remember his name anyway he's got i saw him on the television probably about 10 years ago and he'd got some sort of point and shoot canon and he did all of these like really nice street photography around about the time, I don't know if you know Birmingham at all, but around about the time they got rid of the old bull ring and built a new bull ring. And some lovely photos of the old bull ring and the old market and stuff. Um, and it, that kind of stuck, those photos stuck with me. And I thought for a long time, I need to just buy a compact camera. I got, dug out my, my first camera, which was just like a Nikon RF10, which is rubbish, but, um, you know, it was what I kind of, cut my teeth I suppose I used to, I, you know, I shot with it for about I don't know got it you know, seven years or something six years completely basic point and shoot and loved that loved loved that um and eventually just thought you know I'm just going to get a crappy point and shoot and I went into London Camera Exchange in town and they got a Yashica T5 and uh the chap who Gareth who, who's the, the manager there I said oh look you know I, they know me as you can probably imagine quite well in there um, I have what's called the Hamish price. I go in and I say, what's the Hamish price on the, in the window? Um, and they did me this Yashica T5 for 30 quid or 35 quid. And uh, I mean, it was kind of before they, you know, Terry Richardson, uh, people were, were aware of his work, I think, at the time, but not necessarily as they are now. Certainly Yashica T5s were probably going for about 80, 90 quid, not the 300 pounds they go for now, which is just stupid um but anyway so i bought this camera and put a roll of xp2 in it took some photos of my daughter and was just 
you know, blown away, absolutely blown away. It completely refreshed my photography. It completely refreshed my attitude to my photography. And uh, I just wanted to take photos with point-and-shoot cameras. And then, so I started looking into, well, what else, you know, what other point-and-shoot cameras there are? Or what's the best point-and-shoot camera? Um, and on the internet, did loads of research and found the Fuji Class W or Class A W, whatever you call it. Um, obviously, can't really get them these days or as easily, but back then they were still available new from Japan. That's how I then found uh, Bellamy. Bought this camera off Bellamy. By this time, was starting to write bits and pieces for the blog. Uh, or Brett made the blog, started writing a few little blog posts. Go back and have a look at them. They're awful. Don't read them. They're quite embarrassing, but they're there. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so then was shooting all these different point-and-shoot cameras, writing little bits about them in a quite embarrassing way, um, and then wrote this blog post about Bellamy and my experience of buying from Japan Camera Hunter. And as it was, it was a positive experience uh, and wrote about this. And, of course, Bellamy shared it on his... And Facebook page and Twitter and people then followed me, <laughs> which was you know quite interesting. And that was uh, that was the that was the first time that I kind of I don't know people were kind of responding to what I was putting out there, which was you know pretty unusual. I'm sure you've experienced it. <laughs> no, nah, not really. <laughs> oh, I don't know. There's quite a lot in there that resonates for me. You know, the fact that our first few th our first few posts were probably. Uh, <laughs> I always get a little bit embarrassed when people say that they're they're listening to their first shows. It's like, yeah, yeah, probably not the best choice. Is it is it worth also uh, mentioning for our international listeners uh, that the Bull Ring in Birmingham is actually a shopping mall? Right, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not an actual Bull Ring. <laughs> Okay, just in case anybody thinks that we're still doing bullfighting in the UK. <laughs> is a bull ring a bull ring like that, or is a bull ring a thing in a bull's nose? Oh, are you gonna? Are we gonna get philosophical, or is that just a straightforward question I should take at face value? <laughs> I, I've only had one whiskey, so go with the latter. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had any yet actually maybe that's my problem uh so uh yes well it could be yes I suppose but equally you wouldn't sort of take down one of those and build a new one of those either would you no true <laughs> yeah okay. yeah <laughs> I'll give you that okay so now um you're you're, uh, you're uh, four years four and a half years however long it is later uh you're running a, a a huge website with tons and tons of content um uh never short of uh, opinions either you know from any of your guests or or for the reviews and things anything like mm. that so uh you know what's it what's it like to be a, an internet media mogul and have a whole community <laughs> based around it today uh i <sighs> I don't know what to say, to be honest. It's, I don't know, it's quite nice. I quite like the community. Um, yeah, <laughs> that is I, I quite like the community. No, well, you, you know, know. That community, he quite likes you. <laughs> He's on the fence, but you're all right. But watch yourself. <laughs> yeah. Now, don't email me asking me what camera shall I buy. That's basically <laughs> makes me not like the community. What? Just nothing else. Hi, Hamish. What camera shall I buy? Not sometimes, not even how I aim it. Just what camera shall I buy? How you think? Uh, 
It's hard though, isn't it? You know, you think like I suppose it's one of the problems of having one of the bigger photography or film photography blogs on the internet. You know, there there are sort of a handful which are bigger than the rest. And, you know, there's you and there's Emulsive and there's Bellamy and the FPP. Um, and I don't know who else I would add to that list. I'm sure you could probably very quickly throw up some, another one that fits within that. But, you know, those are the ones that I always think of as, like, the, the, the biggest pillars. And so somebody who just suddenly thinks, well, I've heard a lot about this film photography. I want to give it a go. Where on earth do I start? Yeah, um, no, that's that's fair. But I think, you know, that sentence, I want to give this film photography a go, where on earth do I start, would at least give me something to begin. I shouldn't, I'm sorry, I'm bitching, I'm not bitching. I like, genuinely, I love, you know, I get, as you can probably imagine, I do get quite a few people getting in touch, and I enjoy it, you know, I don't, I try to answer every, I know, in fact, I do answer every every email I get, um, and I try to answer it in as uh, sensible and as constructive a way as possible, for the most part. Hmm. <laughs> All, all good all good so so let, let's talk about uh, a, a little bit about what role this plays in, in your life then you mentioned you you run a, a website uh, a web design company uh, so you're, yeah. you're you're a professional creative uh, and you're making content all the time for that i guess um no funny enough <laughs> i should but i don't um so i've run so yeah i i mean i've got a few things as i was saying earlier is the kiln which is this creative co-working space that we're setting up in worcester there's f8 which is my we're not just we're not just websites we're branding and graphics and photography websites you know all that kind of stuff um and then the sort of offshoot photography companies like shoot rewind which is the kind of take photos of people making things which is the the thing that me and my mate james most like to do um, I do wedding photography as well, which is, you know, probably it's you know, it's unfashionable to say it, I think, but it's probably one of the most fun things. Um, I couldn't do it all the time, but, you know, I've got one on Saturday and I'm genuinely looking forward to it. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, That's an interesting point of view, because a lot of people say that shooting weddings is one of the most stressful things you could possibly think of. Yeah, I don't find it stressful at all. I think it's because it's just... Uh, it's just repetition, I suppose. I mean, I've, yeah, I mean, I've been doing it for a decade, I guess. So, you know, can, so. can sorry, can you talk more? Because the thing, I, one of the things that was, I would really like to talk more about is um, shoot rewind. So, mm. as I said, you you've had this creative agency, which is you know yours and your business partner's business, been going for a while, mm. and then. Uh, what I guess three years ago you decided to create this offshoot which is shoot rewind mm. so it's just I mean it initially I mean it still is at least on the face of it is 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 a film it's it's film photography uh, uh, as a commercial offer for people who um so the the, the Wilson's cider I think is probably our best uh, case study we um they 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 make you know all these cider companies like i don't know thatchers or whatever they they it's it's big it's big enterprise you know they've got these they, they, billions of apples and they chuck all the chemicals in it and it's all churned around in a big pot and they pick some f fancy brand on it and stick it in tesco's and you know millions of people buy it or whatever 
that's not proper cider. <laughs> um, I, I can't drink that stuff. It makes me feel sick. It gives me gut rot. It's filled with chemicals. It's horrible. Proper cider is four generations, three generations, I should say, of people with the surname Wilse somewhere in Ledbury with 23 acres of apple trees that are not even in rows. They're just in a field who at a time of year go and shake the apples out of the trees then they put them into a massive contraption which is made out of a bit of boat and some crushing smushing machine which makes all the apple juice go into a big massive massive canister thing and then they leave it there for nine months and then it's cider uh that cider making and that stuff that comes out is cider and then they taste it and if it tastes too you know, they, he's got all the different types of apples, you know, every single apple on every single tree, what they taste like and how to blend them and how to, you know, what amount of sugar he needs to go with which to create the, you know, the, the, the sweet variety, the dry variety, the medium variety, and then the specialist varieties as well. And it tastes amazing. And that's for me, I love taking photos of that sort of thing because it makes, I feel if I'm taking photos of my film cameras, of that sort of thing, I feel like I'm doing something properly of something that's being done properly. It feels good. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah. On your website, you part of the, I mean, that you talk about in there about the fact that um, you're aiming this at people who are doing exactly that, who are, who are, this is something for people who, are passionate about what they're doing mm. and that they want to create something that, that reflects that passion about what they're doing mm. in the way it's done how has it been um as a business obviously it's a, an offshoot of your business but how has it been trying to build that side of things um to get people i, I would imagine that i mean it's a fairly specific um, it's it's impossible. It doesn't make any money. I mean, <laughs> the, the we've who's our biggest client, I suppose. Duncan Duncan Fernley Cricket. Do you know Duncan Fernley? Oh Cricket? yeah, yeah. When I was a kid at school, everybody wanted their branded stuff. Yeah. So we've done. I mean, oh my God, the story. I mean, okay. So this guy, this guy Steve. So Duncan, Duncan Fernley doesn't 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 run the company anymore. His son does with this chap Gary, who Gary runs or did run Patrick, I think. I don't know. Anyway, so Gary Gary runs the company with Paul um, and a couple of Gary's kids and Steve. And Steve is the last of the Duncan Fernley Batmakers. In the nineteen eighties, I think they had fifteen employees churning out fifty thousand bats a year on machinery. Uh, then the big companies like Adidas came along and just sponsored the hell out of the cricket industry. So the result being pre previously, Duncan Fernley would say, okay, uh, you know, famous cricketer, here's a cricket bat, uh, with my brand on it or our brand on it, uh, go and play cricket. And they were what from, as I understand it, they were one of the first companies to do that. They were the first brand of cricket cricket brand that was on the television in under people's noses and they it skyrocketed them until adidas i think had a new balance i think and companies like that came along and said well yeah you know there's, there's a lot of play a lot of people playing cricket and there's a hell of a lot of people seeing people play cricket we'll just chuck a bunch of money at the players and say okay here's 40 grand use our bat which of course fernies can afford to do because they didn't have that level of 
cash behind them. You know, Adidas is a massive company, but what as Adidas, uh, Adidas didn't want to. They're not. They're not looking to sell to people who play cricket. They're looking to sell to everybody. If you know what I mean. Whereas Duncan Fernie just want to sell to people who play cricket. So they they were pushed out for the the the, the sport. Um, and now a lot less people have heard them and the cricket players don't use Duncan Fernie bats they went from 15 members of staff down to Steve um, making bats and Steve makes bats in what we call the bat cave Um, (laughs) uh, so it's a case does does he call it the bat cave as well no it's just just, just me Um, (laughs) it's it's, it's it's an industrial unit and it's just a room in the back of this industrial unit and it's got all the tools he needs and he sits there every day and he makes bats and they are stunning these things and he makes them in a remarkably short amount of time so anyway, we, we we got approached by Duncan Fernley to make a video funny enough so uh part of, we're going to kind of amalgamate video industry rewind i think it's kind of a documentary thing but anyway that's for the future so we've we've we started making this documentary commercial documentary i suppose is the best description for it about steve about the history of duncan fernley and blah blah blah, blah. Uh, and we were going to call it steve harris the last batmaker and uh, we got to 99% of um, the documentary and Steve Harris got hit by a car, uh, broke his spine and his wrists. Uh, and at the moment, I haven't heard from them for a few weeks. I don't even know if they're ever going to be able to make bats again. Nice. And like, it's just, I mean, I'm sure they will, uh, but it's just to be involved in that. I don't know. Like, it's quite, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. But it's 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 an extreme example of a of a of a of a, of a story that that's the store the sort of stories that we want that we want to tell and the sort of do you get what I'm getting at? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it does sound like, uh, despite the fact that it is a business, it does sound like a thing that it would be very hard to make financially successful it sounds a lot more most of most of the work that we've done for for wilster cider in all honesty has been paid for in cider and that (laughs) is absolutely fine (laughs) (laughs) you you talked earlier about the fact that you've got you know you've got opinions about stuff and um you've certainly been quite vocal about your feelings about you know the whole analog versus digital arguments and stuff yeah. like this and the way people play. how is it when you've got a business like shoot rewind where you're actively trying to say to people look we shoot this is what we're doing this is the service that we're providing and this is and, and giving the reasons why people should go for film over digital so it's you know, so, so actually having to present that as an argument for film over digital how did you find that personally having to kind of i, I mean you know, i'm assuming you probably had to write a lot of the stuff that's on there yeah um well it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't work i mean people don't care <laughs> that's, that's the reality of it i mean you know i'm under no illusions that this is a successful arm of my business it, it, it it's 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 something that we do because we enjoy it but you find the right people the right organizations and they get it wills is is the perfect you know because you're not talking to these people about film photography you're talking to these people about passion and i'm passionate about film photography they're passionate about making cider or cricket bats or, or whatever and it's 
they don't know the the words about film photography. And frankly, I don't know the words about how to make a cricket bat. But we talk on the same level, so you find the right people, and it works. It's just finding the right people is the problem. Of course, most of these people, most of these organisations, are manufacturing things in the UK, which you know, certainly on a, a cottage industry level, is you know, it's difficult. <laughs> So do they you, don't have they don't have any money, quite often. But that's fine. You know, that's, that's fine. I'm not saying we do stuff for free. But when me and James have got you know a little bit of spare time, we're quite happy to do something with Shoot Rewind for the right people for you know the right kind of arrangement. Just <laughs> <laughs> for booze, basically. So your clients include uh, yeah, Wilkes Cider, Stroud Brewery, <laughs> a bakery. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was on here. Uh, FA, hmm, well, hang on a second. Is, yeah, isn't yeah. that your business? Yes, they create. They pride themselves on their honesty. <laughs> that seems, uh, yeah. I mean, funny, funny enough, I actually had a meeting about Street Wine today, and and I, 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 I'm not going to jinx it by telling you the name of the company, but they are one of the, if not the biggest drinks manufacturer in the world. I'm probably not going to get the work. I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not under any illusion that. But I was, you know, it, it's it's been noted that it, it you know, it's bad, it's bang on what they're looking for. But whether or not they they can, you know, whether or not they'll, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say about it. <laughs> Is the, that would completely ruin, of course, this lovely cottage industry thing that we've got going on because we've been working for this. You know, ah, hell, <laughs> sell out and take yeah. the money. You can never yeah. spend all of your time doing fun things and um, drinking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is is the extra cost? Um, because you, you obviously you must I'm assuming shoot digital for the majority of the actual fee paying work that you do is it just the case that um, using analog instead of it just financially doesn't work in that situation well, you, using analog is financially viable I mean it, this is the thing it's it, the amount of time so I've got an Aritzu scanner in my office. It's, it takes 10 minutes to scan a roll of 35 millimeter film perfectly. Mm. Um, even before I had that, when I was using AG uh, Photolab up in Birmingham, they've got Aritzu scanners. They were charging seven, I was paying seven pound fifty, seven ninety nine 99 a roll. So roll of portrait is what, eight quid, something like that. So f- 15 quid for I go out, take photos, send them off to AG, and then they come back looking perfect. Or now it's about a tenner for photos that look perfect pretty much out of the scan. I mean, maybe a little tweak here and there, but basically speaking, they look perfect. So compare that to the amount of time I can piss around in Lightroom trying to make some flat, you know, Sony photo look half decent, you know, Time is money, as they say. I can spend hours trying to make trying to make something look good. The reason I don't use it, uh, film for everything is just that it's just it doesn't. You know, I do a lot. I'm quite a generalist. You know, I do. I take photos of empty plastic fucking bottles and event like business events, and you know, this stuff doesn't warrant the quality. Windows. It doesn't. Yeah, window. I mean, it's a perfect example. Windows. You know, I've got. I'm, I'm working for a you know a, a company who make window frames and albeit in a, they're very good at making window frames and they're very high quality window frames 
they need case studies for their website. So I'm going and taking photos of window frames in people's houses on shop, in shop fronts. Uh, you know, you wouldn't, why would you do that with film? You just wouldn't. It, <laughs> it's, it's pointless. It's a waste of film. And not a waste of film in a good way. A waste of film in a really boring way. And that, you know, this is what digital, digital's great for. You know, and I'm with, you know, I'm, my Sony, I've, I've invested a massive amount of money in Zeiss lenses. So I've at least got something that I think has the potential to look nice once you click a couple of those you know slide a couple of those contrast sliders around you know i can get something that looks looks pretty decent relatively quickly do, do you know what right i think yeah it, it, it a completely different level because i i only do this for fun and and you're doing this for a living but that is that really quite nicely sums up the way i feel about digital <laughs> Like, oh, Jay, Jay, like, I mean, why would you shoot digital for anything that actually matters? <laughs> well, the, I, the, the, the funny thing is, is I do shoot it. I've just bought a Leica Monochrome. I've got a Leica M9. Those cameras, for whatever reason, and and uh, and argue, I'd argue the toss with anybody who tells me it's the CCD sensor, but for whatever reasons, those cameras take really nice photos, and I enjoy using those cameras and I don't mind the post process of from using those cameras, whether or not that's because I'm a massive like a snob or um I think it probably is. It sounds like it. Yeah. Um, but it's also I think um in part because the camera itself is enjoyable to use and you know people talk quite often about you know, I can't stand the phrase, oh, it's just a tool, the camera's just a tool. It's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a fucking camera, what else? It, what You're else just you a tool. <laughs> You're just a tool, exactly. But I know it's a tool, but it's mine. It's my tool. It's my camera. It's my... It, I use X, Y, or Z camera because it works for me. I mean, read my Sony A7R2 review, and you'll... That's full-on rant. I hate that camera. It's brilliant. <laughs> takes incredible photos, especially with some of these Zeiss, I don't know if you know anything, like the Battist range of Zeiss lenses are stunningly good. Stunningly good. Never, never, never had the opportunity. They are um, phenomenally expensive, but really, 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 really good. But the experience of taking photos of that thing is hateful. Like, I just hate it. Every single time I pick it up, it does something wrong. Every single time I try and use it, I can't find the mode it's got. 27,000 options. It's got four function buttons that are custom, but C, C1, C2, C3. Just give the button a, its own purpose in life, for God's sake. <laughs> like, it just frustrates the hell out of me. Then I pick up my Leica. I pick up my M9. I haven't, I looked at the menu. I realized I looked at the menu the other day, probably for the first time, because I found this thing that's got soft or discreet or something you can change how the shutter button is soft or discreet i haven't changed it i can't be bothered i'm not interested is there not but a loud I really version to, to, <laughs> i don't I, I don't know what it does I think it, bang you think it does it so when you you press the button and then when you let go of the button it that's when it advances the shutter i don't know what i don't know whether or not that's soft or discreet and i don't know what the other one does but one of them makes it so when you let go of the button it I saw it in the manual the other day. But anyway. I, I spit on the, on the non-discreet one when you let go of the button, it goes, cha-ching! Yes, we already know that there's a player in town. <laughs> do you need to get some piss-taking for me using lots of Leica cameras off your chest? Yeah, we, we there's, do, but... there's a little bit of that, I think, definitely, yeah. It's, 
yeah, I, I'm so I'm, I'm with you on the whole. Yeah, you know, di- digital can be hateful thing. I mean, I, I shoot Fuji for my for my digital cameras, and it's primarily for exactly that reason. It's it's the the using of it. It's user interface. Re- okay, so I'm literally I'm about to the the Konica Hexar, great camera. Unless you use it on automatic, it's shitty to use. I'm I'm all about user experience. I, I if I do it in my job, I do it when I make when, you know when we make websites at work. But with cameras, it's what I find most fascinating about them. It's how we as people interact with these things, and it, that's what that's what makes a to me. It's what makes a camera good or bad is what gives me the ability to take i think better photos is when i can make the thing do the thing that it's that i need it to do at the spur of the moment and that doesn't matter whether or not it's Leica, or you know one of my favorite cameras uh, i've just sold it actually but one of my favorite cameras is olympus af10 super i think it's called it's one of the i'd say it's my favorite camera it's one of my most enjoyable experiences with the camera because it doesn't have shutter speeds that go below 1 45th of a second so you can stick a roll of 3200, or a, a, say a roll of, I don't know, HP5, stick a roll of HP5 in there. I even put a little bit of black tape over the light meter. So basically, it would just, in fact, I put black tape, this, I'll tell you the story from the beginning, I put black tape over the DX code on the, cam, on, the, on the film, put black tape over the sensor on the camera. So the camera thinks it's a 100 ISO film and because of that, and because the, cent- the light meter is blacked out, it will automatically default to one forty-fifth of a second and the, fa- and the widest aperture, which is f3.5. So you've basically got a camera that only does one forty-fifth and f3.5. Now, if you go and shoot that in the street at night, you're and then and then and then push your film. I'm not people. I've had this have a look at the blog post about it, and people keep saying to me, "What what what exposure index do you shoot the film at?" I didn't shoot it at an exposure index. I just shot I just shot the film in crap light, knowing that those are the two settings that it was going to use, and knowing that if I then pushed it a couple of three stops, I think three stops, I pushed the film, I was going to get some results. It's got an active autofocus. Um, uh, system so it works in zero light as well active autofocus is infrared so they work in no light unless you take it trying to take photos of windows they they just work or through windows god i do take photos of windows don't i anyway not that. <laughs> um so that that creates in that instance it creates predictability so even though the predictability is incredibly limited to two to effectively one setting it's predictable you know what's going to happen when you press the button and and that for me is important to simplicity and um, what's the word I used in that? Have you read my post about um, I can't even say the word L U R E like pure but with an L at the L at the beginning I can't say it I hate it but the the that word of the uncomplicated camera look it up it's yeah a, it's no, a, I think I have actually yes I think I have read that one a little while back the N three and I talk about N three and the Mu2. Predictable cameras. You use them and they work in a predictable way. I don't like the M3 because it's a Leica. I like it because it's predictable and it works for me. I have problems with my right eye, so I have to use my left eye to take photos. I can't use SLRs with my left eye because I can't frame. I find framing with my left eye with an SLR odd. It it feels very unnatural. With a rangefinder, I can use my left eye. 
So I have a Leica because it's predictable. I can use it because I can use my left eye because I've, I've got frame lines. I, I get, my brain deals with, that, with the information better. Um, and the reason I picked a, pick a Leica over a Voigtlander is because they're made nicer. You know, it just it just feels nicer in my hand. And, you know, why... Oh, God, do you know... There's a, I ne- I've nearly written a, a response post to it. There's a post on um, casual photo file recently. Uh, the, the, not the main guy, uh, the, the other guy, Josh, I think his name is, has written a post about the Leica M2, and a, he went out shooting with it, and he talks about expecting some sort of fanfare when you press the button. I'm thinking, man, you're mad. Like, it's just a camera. And, and then he kind of goes on in the post to say, it's just a camera. And I'm like, yeah. I think I think I remember reading that one because he was yeah he was at first he was a a little bit upset wasn't he that he was expecting Mm. fireworks and yeah 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 and uh, and yeah orchestras and stuff like that and uh, and didn't didn't get it (laughs) people get on this kind of bandwagon of well like as you know like you know why would you spend six hundred pound on a Leica M3 and it's like well why would you spend three thousand pounds on a Sony A seven R two do you do you think it? I mean, and I completely. I mean, I've never had a chance to shoot with a Leica, um, so uh, all of my feelings towards Leica users are based entirely on jealousy. But um, it is quite a particular problem to the film photography community as it stands at the moment that um, it almost feels like the Leica and the Hasselblad have become these kind of end goals that they are seen by everybody as well, you know, I'll shoot what I can shoot, uh, but um, people are working towards the, those goals at the end because yeah. somehow they they have been declared the best ones of whatever they are, you know, medium format or 35 millimeter. Um, and but they don't just because they're, I mean, they, the, of course, the reality is they are the best. The Leica rangefinder is the best rangefinder. Not because it, they are, they're built like tanks. They are phenomenally good to use. But it doesn't mean that they are the best for you or the best for what's his mate off casual photo file. It just means for the right people, they're going to be the right camera, if you sort of mean. And I think this gets a bit, I think people are quite confused about this. <laughs> do you, but do you think this comes from, because people are used to the digital market, where every year there's there's newer there's faster the better so it's a very qualitative oh the newer one has got more megapixels so these pictures will be better whereas the reality is with the cameras yes there are functional reasons why that that is the best rangefinder but it's it's not going to there's absolutely no reason why that's going to take a better picture i mean aside from not in the slightest not in the slightest and it is i think it is it's a it's a delusion i wish i wish i could find the way to have my you know i i sometimes feel like i should write a a kind of a blog post that explains this to people that you're only allowed to read the rest of my blog before you've read the blog post about just because i like likers doesn't mean that likers are the best cameras in the world for you or for the next person or 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 whatever. As I, as I say, the Leica camera works for me because it works for me. And, and technically speaking, you know, they are the best built. They're most likely to last longest, I guess. I think that's probably bollocks anyway. You know, it's, that's just... 
Know, I've got some 35mm Nikons that I love, yeah, and I they're, saying, built, I mean, they're built F2, like tanks as well. I, I, you know, sometimes be quite. I sometimes look at my M3 in one hand and my F2 in the other hand, and just think, well, I just repeatedly smashed you two into each other. I wonder which one would survive. Try it. That would be a great YouTube video. Yeah, I'd probably break break my arms and hands before. I'm, but I've dropped my I dropped my M7 and dented my floor. <laughs> and was your floor made of reinforced concrete? <laughs> oh, well, I've dropped—you know—I've dropped most of my lighters, and none of them, have, none of them have died. None of them have died, died today. My MA has just—it's so, so dented. <laughs> it's so depressing. Sometimes I look at it and go, oh "My God, what have I done to this camera?" But, this, uh, sorry. This, this, so this, like the, the thing with the Likers and the Hasselblads, and, and that kind of—I suppose fetishism is probably the the best word to describe it, the fact that uh, people like myself who uh, have not had a chance to shoot them, or people who are coming to the community, you know, they they are the Ferrari of the film world in the, the, the sense that there's this almost unattainable thing. But you know, that's one aspect of I think where film photography is at in place at the moment but um you you have this quote from the you did a great interview on emulsive a couple of years ago um and i, I warned you i pulled this out earlier but um you you described this the, the film photography that there's a thick blanket of bullshit over film photography at the moment um now this was two years ago as i said when when you wrote that article what what were your feelings? What what prompted you to say that at the time? And do you think things are better, no. worse, or different? <laughs> no. People talk shit on the internet. Guilty. The Isn't that what it's guilty for, though? Me. I'm guilty, <laughs> too. You know, we all have opinions. But the problem is with having an opinion is that pe- other people listen. And, you know, to a certain degree, I kind of wish that people wouldn't even listen to me. All I've ever wanted to do is just, I learn, the whole purpose of my blog for me is, for me to learn shit i type stuff and when i type it i go oh yeah type something else oh yeah that, oh yeah i get that now like even stuff that i think i understand like i will challenge myself to write about something so i get to the point of understanding it better but i'm doing that for myself and if somebody else gets something out of it great but i know that the stuff that i've written on that blog that people will read and take too seriously um, or people will read stuff, especially some of the technical stuff. People will read, and me and Em were talking about this the other day. So, like, we're, me and him are going to do like a blog post on each other's blog. I'm going to write, I can't even remember what we're going to write about, but I'm going to write something for his blog, and he's going to write something for my blog, I think. That's how we're going to do it. Or I'm going to write something for my blog, and it's linked to the hit one of his, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so, but we, we were talking about because they're both technical subjects and we've come to the conclusion that they're basically the only way to talk about technical subjects is to just to preface what we say with everything I'm about to say is basically all you kind of need to know to get to where I am in terms of what I understand about this thing. It might be bullshit if you know loads more about it than me. If you know loads more about it than me, please feel free to comment at the bottom, but I can't guarantee I'm going to listen to what you've got to say because <laughs> stuff that I know that, at this moment in time that I'm explaining is all you need to know to know what I know that will get you to the point of understanding it as well as I do. (laughs) 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 Or something completely nonsense like that. People like, but the problem with that kind of thing, you can either be very, very technical. I always remember when I was in chemistry, I did chemistry 
GCSE or whatever it was called. And the, was it physics? Whatever. Physics. So physics, the teacher said, everything we're going to teach you in GCSE physics is wrong. And then I did A-level physics or started it. I dropped out after one lesson because the teacher went, right, here's you. Here's this exponential curve of knowledge. Here's you right at the bottom. Forget everything you've just been taught. It's all crap. Now you've got to learn actual physics. Oh, <laughs> I think it was chemistry, actually, wasn't it? It might have been chemistry. I think that's it, good. Yeah. Is I've that heard that I've heard other people go through that and it must yeah. be soul destroying. <laughs> yeah. And I, but I was just like, do you know what? I can't bother. I'm not interested. But and, and but this is it with film photography. There's so much about film photography that actually you don't need to know everything. Like you don't I mean this is one of the things that me and Emma are talking about. You don't need to know the perfectly the ins and outs of what fucking latitude sorry, I'm swearing a lot. Latitude <laughs> means. You don't, latitude is film latitude is is a very 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 difficult subject that goes way beyond what most people think it means but you only really need to know that a film that's got more latitude lets you fuck up a bit more and a film that has less doesn't <laughs> yeah. that's basically to get you going that's all you need to know like do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not saying absolutely. You should limit your knowledge at that point. But if all you want to do is get going, then that will get you going. And I think that's the, that's, that's the great thing about the internet, but also the biggest problem with the internet, because there's so many people out there, the worst people, and I'm not going to name any names, but the worst people who are, are the people who say this shit and then say that they know everything about it. People who talk about things like latitude and claim that they are, you know, the fucking messiah when it comes to this knowledge <laughs> and and it just drives me mad because you read it and you go that's wrong and there's so many people that are believing this stuff and it, it would be fine if you weren't peddling it as pure truth when it's not pure truth like i try and with my blog uh, i do my best to, when i explain something i do my best to explain it in a way that it's evident I might not necessarily know everything I'm talking about because I think that's important with information when when all of us can have a voice you know if everybody out if everybody can have a voice and I try and give as many people a voice through my through my blog I said to somebody today actually I'm going off on a tangent here but one of the most important things that I tried to do with my blog is put content out that is what I term as experiential rather than prescriptive so I had this guy email me a couple of days ago with a piece of content. He says, I've got this great piece of content for you. It's long. Um, it's, it's, I think it really fits your, the, the musing set of your, your website. I was like, brilliant. This sounds great. Read it. And it was this kind of, right, you should do this. Then you should do this. Then you should do this. And if you do that, 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 and that, and that, then this will be the result. Oh, God. I wrote back to him. I said, look, I can't publish it. It's not. It just doesn't fit. Like you come come back to me with something that is I did this, then I did this, then I did this, and this happened, and that was pretty satisfying. So there's a the read between the lines. Maybe you should give it a go. Like, do, do you know what I mean? That's and actually, I think that's why 35 MC has been successful, as successful as it has, because I don't tell people what to do. <laughs> I just tell them what I've done, or get other people to tell people what they've done because that's 
more interesting than being told what to do. I just hate being told what to do. It's why I own my own business. But it, it is more interesting, I think, just reading about other people. The, the, the blog, the guy, a chap called Mark wrote to me not long ago about he bought a Leica M6 and he, to go to Japan to take photos of the post-tsunami stuff. You know, there was the nuclear explosion, a couple of other things. Anyway, he didn't write about that for my blog. What he wrote about, what he wrote about was the photography he did outside of that. So when he went to Japan with his, with this Leica M6 that he bought specifically, and he went around cities in Japan, and the photos, they're just brilliant. It's, it's on my Twitter at the moment. It's right at the top. Mark Forbes, I think his name is. It's brilliant. And it's not, you know, it's not because, I mean... <laughs> It, it fits my blog because it's about a Leica, but it's not that it's about a Leica. The point is nothing to do with the fact it's a Leica. It's the fact that he's, the photos are brilliant. <laughs> They're just amazing. And it's about his experience of buying a Leica, shooting a Leica, and finding it worked for him and it working for him being self-evident in the images. That's satisfying stuff to read, I think. Not you should go and buy this camera and it will change your life because that's all shite. <laughs> do you know what that sounds like a perfect place for us to take a breather and uh... this is the reason this is the reason i'm not this is I, I swear too much i rant too much this is the reason i don't have a youtube channel anybody listening to this who said to me you should have a youtube channel this is the reason i don't have a youtube channel because i rant that sounds like exactly the reason you should have a YouTube channel, surely. So, yeah, this, this is, this is, yeah, it's, I'm, I'm enjoying having this conversation this evening and I'm going to enjoy putting it out as well. So, so what you're saying, basically, it's anybody who keeps telling you that um, you should have a YouTube channel, should just fuck off, right? I'm probably going to do it. You know, this is the reality. But when I do do it, I shan't be telling people, you know, Oh, you're starting out in film photography. Well, you should definitely have a Pentax K1000 because that's horseshit. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard though, isn't it? I mean, I, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that break age just, but it, it is hard because I, I think there are people out there, as you said right at the beginning, who who do just want to be told uh, because I think they feel like if they get told exactly what camera to use and what film to use, then that will somehow take care of the creative side of it yeah, as well. But, but it's it's if you want to know what camera to use, you've just got to ask the right questions. Yeah, you know. And when people email me, it's the first thing I say. What people email, what camera should I buy? Like, I mean, what do you want to take photos of? And you know, I you know, just I just you know, I want to get into film photography. I just want to take snaps. I'm buy a point and shoot because you know, a, a Mewtwo. It's so hard not to recommend the Mewtwo, despite the fact it's escalated profoundly in cost. They just it, again, active autofocus is pretty reliable in terms of exposure. You can just point it at stuff and take photos, and there's a reasonably good chance they'll come out nicely. And um, but if you want to, you know, if you want to take photos, I don't know, you can take photos of birds at the end of your garden. Well, don't buy a Mewtwo. That's not going to work. <laughs> I don't know that, do I? You ask me what camera you should buy. I don't know what you want to tell them if you want to take if you're a Twitcher or whatever they're called. <laughs> Right. Okay, shut up, Hamish. We're going to take a break now. Hey, take us to a break. Play the music, Aid. Uh, <laughs> okay. okay. 
I think uh, we've just experienced uh, what might be called uh, the legendary Hamish Gill rant, uh, and very glad we are to hear it too. Hamish, you're most welcome to be on the show. But I hear there's something that uh, you feel that you are you must say to us. Well, yeah, just uh, I, I, I'm, so I'm right in thinking that this will be the first time that you have to switch the explicit switch on podcast thingy. Yes, whatever it is. Uh, yes, yeah, yes, it's it the is. first one where somebody said fuck so many times, which, you know, I feel pretty good about that. But you know, in a way, <laughs> uh, I should probably apologize for my potty mouth. But I do as as I just want to call M a big fat cock one ball. <laughs> <laughs> That's off my chest. Next. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, uh, yes, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I don't know him very well, but he, he did come across as a bit of a cockwomble to me, so I'm kind of, yeah. Uh, I, right. Okay, so Trund- Trundle, Trundle fuck is the other one that he, that we've, that I'm, I'm really down with that, I think. <laughs> this is a conversation that me and him had about swearing on Twitter after, when me and him talk on the phone, we seem to talk for a long time. I mean, you could... You can probably imagine. <laughs> no, no, um, t- tell us about it. <laughs> so the last time we spoke, it was a bit, you know, when you're a teenager and you talk on the phone to a girl for like three hours and, you know, your kind of face hurts a bit afterwards from laughing and just talking crap for so long. Um, so, so you know, if we lived near each other, we'd probably be dating by now. <laughs> purely heterosexual way. Um, good job, good job there's most of the circumference of the world between you then. Yeah. One of the long conversations we've had, or we had on the phone, was about quality swear words, and Trundlefuck was one that he he told me about, which I think describes people who just Trundlefuck their way through lives, and I just love that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, right, come on. Anyway, back to some photography, shall we? Yeah. Okay. Now, listen. There was a topic that, that we talked about a few weeks ago that it seems it would be remiss not to talk to you about when you're on the show. Uh, And this is the um, event and the whole shenanigans around hashtag save analog cameras, because you were um, mooted as part of that. So could you talk to us a bit about what it was from your side, what you were getting involved in, how you came to be involved with it, and how, and just what your you know view is on how it kind of played out. Because it, it, I only saw it very much from the side of the sidelines, um, but I would love to, be, to have your to be view honest, on it. I kind of felt like I saw it from the side of the sidelines as well. Um, Yuho asked me, would I be interested in being a part of an event? Uh, I said, yep. Um, it sounds interesting. Um, the idea in its essence, I think, is a good one. You know, it's about um, the community working strong, more strongly together to do, you know, to encourage manufacturers to bring cameras to market and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like Bellamy's going on about trying to make a 35mm compact camera and um i've got we'll talk about it in a minute i've got a little plastic thing that i want to bring to market for for things that i'll tell you about in a minute and you know we're, there's a lot of us that are doing things there's a lot of us that are trying to do 
practical things. And I felt like this was a practical thing that was about building something within the community. Then I didn't really hear much about it. And then there was an Indiegogo and my name was on it and I looked at it and I went, well, that sounds right. I didn't really think anything of it. And then the, there was loads of like people bad-mouthing it, I think, because, I don't know, there was no female people talking or something. And I don't know, I think, you know, perhaps people don't, I mean, I don't know Yuho very well. I spoke to him a couple of times on the phone and I think it was, I think there was a lot of kind of mis- understanding of what it was about and what it was setting out to achieve and I don't know I think it's a bit of a shame really I think it probably could have been quite good and I don't think that's the end of it really I, uh, I haven't spoken to you over much since but me and um, I've talked a lot uh, about it and about maybe where it didn't go right and you know we don't know nobody knows how big the film community is this is the mad thing like is it you know are we are we living in cloud Kukulan thinking this is actually something that's happening? Is it just that we're all on the internet? You know, there's 20,000 of us all talking nonsense on Twitter, you know, thinking that films this massive resurgence, or is it dying on its ass? I mean, probably the only people who have really got any kind of answer to that is, I guess, Ilford and, you know, some of these manufacturers who can gauge it by sales of film. But nobody else has got an idea, really, I don't think. And I think that's kind of what this event was about, was just creating some kind of tangible understanding of what the hell is going on out there um, and why none of the manufacturers have just thought to bring something back to market. I mean, they don't even, they don't even need to make something new. Just bring something back to market. I suppose if you look at, I mean, just to, sorry to interrupt, if you, the, the Mewtwo is a perfect example. So my, when I first... My Mewtwo review, if you type Olympus Mewtwo into Google, it, I'm the top. It's my blog post at the top. It's one of my early ones. It's rubbish, but nonetheless, it's there. It, that blog post, when I first published it, within about two months, went to the top of Google for, Mew, for Olympus Mewtwo. And I was getting about 30 hits a day. At the time, it was value. the value of it was about £30. You could buy them for about £30 on eBay. Now I get about 120 to 150 hits a day on that piece of content and it's worth 120 to 150 pounds. That's some kind of weird coincidence, I admit. But there is, I can show you a graph. I won't, it's boring, but I could show you a graph that showed that increase of interest, exponential growth interest in that camera. Does that say anything about the film community? I have absolutely no idea at all. But it should indicate that we're moving towards hopefully somebody bringing something back to market that's accessible and is a normal cap it's unfair to say lamography cameras are shit they're not shit they are very good and they i really enjoy them for a lot of reasons but they're not practical for normal people <laughs> and nor are likers we need a practical normal camera for 200 quid that you can just go and buy in a shop you know be it an slr a point we need an slr a point of a point and shoot I suppose that's part of the problem, though, isn't it? That to bring something like the Mewtwo back, um, I mean, it's probably if Olympus was ever to make you know something like that, um, it, it would cost it probably cost more than two hundred pounds. Um, and the but number would that of matter? well, I think it would because I, I think a lot of the people it, shooting film are, are shooting film on a real tight budget. 
Um, you know, I, I think I mean that's the great thing about film is you can get into it for very, very little money. And when you said to you, okay, well, I'm going to spend over two hundred pounds on the camera, um, that's that's I mean, to, to like somebody like me, that's getting into you know quite expensive cameras. Yeah. Um, but, but, but look at the look at the you know the Contax T3. I mean, those things go for nearly a grand. I mean, they're great cameras, but they're not grand, nearly a grand great. Just mad, and 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 they're break. You know the 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 d- d- one tip: don't buy a Ricoh GR1. Those cameras take stunning photos, but they are rubbish. They just fall. They're just dying. They all they will all die. You've got a Ricoh GR1, and you like it. Sorry, mate, it's gonna <laughs> die. That's a fact, and, and it's a very unfortunate fact because they are stunningly good cameras, but they still go for like five hundred quid. Like surely. If that's the case, it's viable to bring a camera to market that the Olympus Mu2 with a switch on the back that meant so you don't, so it doesn't turn on the flash automatically when you turn oh, it off. It seems, in some ways, it seems strange that in where we are at in terms of um, the tools to make stuff and the freedom that people have to get out there and be creative, that that this is as hard as it is now. Because it, it, in the past... I think sort of pre seventies, maybe even earlier than that. But you know, there were a lot more smaller camera manufacturers around, um, and then they all amalgamated or died or disappeared after the war and what have you. Um, but it feels like if ever there's a time now where smaller manufacturers could come back in again, if you go back to the seventies, um, whenever period of time, the te- the technology is fitting to the product. So you've got like, I don't know, Seiko or um, Copal or whatever making shutters and everybody's got Seiko or Copal or whatever shutters. Um, they'll be the same with different types of light, you know, like um, passive and active autofocus systems. There will be one company like, you know, basically Sony, Sony make all digital sensors, not all, but majority of digital sensors now. It, that's what the world was like back then. The, the technology was current to the products. Now, if you try to make a film camera, the technology isn't there because we don't have technology that works in film cameras. We have technical technology that works in digital cameras, which maybe it could be... Uh, this is me speculating, but that's how I kind of guess it's it's the case. We're not we, the, the landscape of technology that's out there isn't compatible with what or necessarily mm. compatible with what people would want to make a f- film camera do. Yeah. If you see what I mean, and that might be nonsense. I should add, but that just seems to add up in in my head. But I want to make. I would love to make. I was talking to him about this the other day. I'd love to make. I saw my X Pan recently because I wasn't using it. In a way, I regret it because I like. The, um, the the very wide framing. I like panoramic framing. I enjoy, I enjoy framing like that, but I couldn't justify owning a ridiculously expensive or ridiculously valuable camera for the slim amount that I was using it. So I quite like to make a 35mm panoramic camera of some sort that does 24 by 65 mil frames because my Noritsu will scan 24 by 65 mil frames and, you know, stick a medium format lens on the front that's got you know, something like off like a like a Mamiya Press or something like that. So you've, you, I think they have focus helicoids built into them, and you've got proper depth of field scales and all sorts of gubbins on the top. So all you need is 
the ability to wind. <laughs> and when you can simplify things down to that much, just the ability to wind a certain amount of clicks of film along, um, you know, we can do that with 3D printing and stuff. And, and people are, people will more. I'm just waiting for somebody to do it for that particular, you know, combination of stuff. It's shutters, shutters, I think, shutters and light meters, basically, as far as I can work out. And the actual mechanics of finding, of winding the film on it, those are the complicated bits. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's hope that somebody, I, I, it does feel like it's one of those things that is not far away from happening. No, because it can't, it can't be, can it? I mean, realistically speaking, somebody has got to bring out a new 35 millimeter camera that just starts the sort of it's, it's, there's like a, there's a massive sort of boulder of community that's just almost stuck in what it's doing and it just needs something to just give it a big fat nudge and i think a new film camera would do that you know well it's, it's interesting you I, I don't know whether this is still a thing that you're involved in but you know the 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 comparison that comes up of the thing that it's kind of ahead of the curve on we, where we hopefully are with film photography is the resurgence of vinyl. And that's yeah. something that you're in, are you still involved with that? Yes. Yeah. It's got a shop selling vinyl and turntables online. And, um, I, I've, uh, I think I mentioned it last week, but I, at the age of 42, uh, got my first ever record player. I'm very <laughs> happy about this. Um, didn't buy it from me though, did you? Uh, I got given it to me by my dead granddad. So, you know, have a go at him if you want to, but he's dead. So, you know. Um, I'll let you have that one. <laughs> thanks. Also, I'm pretty sure I couldn't afford anything that you're selling. Um, but it's interesting because now I, I have a reason to go into uh, record shops and, and have conversations there, which I've not done for a very long time because I'm not interested in buying CDs and stuff. And yeah, they went through the, this this period of time called the 90s where vinyl just wasn't happening. Uh, yeah, sort of. I mean, I, sort of. I mean, the difference between vinyl and film, and this is something that doesn't really often get 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 talked about because the the, the similarities between vinyl and film are, are something that the film community likes to kind of latch onto and say, well, it happened with vinyl, so surely it's going to happen with film. What happened in the hi-fi industry is nobody, although vinyl... The pressing of vinyl reduced it never stopped because there were still djs playing vinyl you know scratch DJ, djs that type of music was still around and was actually quite popular if you listen to bands like incubus as i did in the late 90s early 2000s that you know there was loads of scratching and stuff in that so it, it never really stopped and actually the hi-fi industry the hi-fi industry is weird. <laughs> um, I'm quite involved in it in one way or another through work. Um, I was very, I've, 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 prior to this obsessive hobby, I had, well, I said prior to this, this obsessive hobby never really stopped. But I also at one point had an obsessive hobby in hi-fi. Um, my wife just, I don't know how she hasn't left me. But the, I've got a very nice hi-fi in the other room and I've always had a turntable with it. And the, but the hi-fi industry carried on making turntables as well. Um, Project, for example, which is one of the brands that we that we sell, um, they've been going for, for eight. Rager, they've been going for ages, successfully going for ages, never stopped um, selling turntables. Um, like Michelle, very expensive, very nice turntables. Lynn, the Sondek, the LP12, my God, that thing 
you know, they, 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 you could get a fully kitted out one for, you know, as little as 20 grand. Um, <laughs> they, they never stop making these things. And, and that's the difference. You know, okay, film production itself never stopped, but camera production pretty much did. And to the point that now, I don't think Casino even make, you know, Emma was talking about this the other day, I don't think the Casino make any film cameras anymore. It's literally just like a, I mean, in terms of 35 mil at least, it's literally just like a lamography, which is, as I say, it's odd. Well, who, <laughs> yeah. and that's, plus that's whoever the, brought back the Holger, because Holger's coming back as well, isn't it? But, oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 120, of course. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a good point, yeah. It's strange that, if that China hasn't started chucking more stuff out there, isn't it just? Isn't it just? I, I think it's all the time. I've just bought a fifty millimeter M mount rangefinder uh, coupled one point f one point one lens for two hundred and seventy five pounds. <laughs> New, made in the Far East somewhere, China or whatever, probably China, like. It, 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 the, the, and there's loads of this stuff you know the same company whatever they're called dj no, dj opticals one name for it but there's another one seven artisans how stupid is that seven artisans they've got this 51.1 they've got sony 35 millimeter f2 that goes on the a7 series cameras and that is 120 pounds like these the there's stuff happening in lenses in the Far East. You're exactly right. Why isn't that happening in cameras? Film cameras, at least. It does seem like it's going in the right direction, whereas for, for sometimes, even as little ago as, as a year when we first started this podcast, it feels like momentum has gathered for a lot of these initiatives, even uh, over that time. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe we're, we're we, because we've we've set ourselves to be part of that then we're, we're more attuned to it i don't know but it does yeah feel it's like... weird isn't it i know exactly what you mean by that like how this is what i was talking about earlier i can't remember exactly what i said but it like are we do we all kind of in this 20 50 100 000 group of people who are all just mad and think something's come of it or is something coming of it i don't I remember once when I was a teenager being invited to a party that was outside in some woods and we ended up, uh, long story short, a lot of the party got, um, you know, they, they all went home because the police came and raided it and blah. But uh, I remember going into this cave in the woods where somebody had lit a, a fire and we were all shouting at the people that were in there or saying hello to the people that were in there for ages before we realised there was nobody actually in there and we were just talking to ourselves. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> it's a true story, but <laughs> and I, 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 yes. So, so the te- the true test that we've got ahead of us in the ne- in the not too distant future is whether there is actually anybody in the cave shooting film or not. Yeah. <laughs> like... Yeah. And and but you know, I don't know. I kind of have this view. How much does it matter? My wife goes on at me because she thinks I don't care about anything, and I kind of don't like you've just got to, you've just got to enjoy shit while it lasts if, if something comes of it we've got to make it we've got to try and make it last we've got to try and perpetuate it but if it falls on its ass it falls on its ass you know it's I'd, I'd be sad but does it matter i don't know <laughs> okay and on that philosophical note <laughs> we 
fact, I would have loved. I would have loved this save analog um, cameras to have gone ahead for you to do a keynote speech <laughs> and go. Does it really? We're threatened. <laughs> we're threatened here. The, you know, we're having no cameras. We're all dying. We're all going away. And I'm here to say, yeah. Does it really matter? I've been having skill. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm so you know, obviously, I'm talking about that in the kind of you know, in the kind of bigger picture kind of thing. But yeah, it does. Matter. You know, it's important that. I don't know, we get, it's quite, I have this split view about this sort of thing because, you know, going back to what we were saying about Shoot Rewind, I think it's very good that, you know, people are hands-on and doing more hands-on things and and all of that sort of stuff. But I think stuff finds its balance, do you know what I mean? Just in the long term, stuff finds its balance. Finds its balance. Um, and I think that's what we're probably seeing with the resurgence of analogue, not film or vinyl, a resurgence of analogue, a resurgence of hands-on things resurgence you know it's it is more trendy to make beer now than it was a few years ago for example it's more it's trendy resurgence. to make it than it is to drink it now yes <laughs> that sort of thing this resurgence of hands-on things is it's balance it's a return of balance between the tangible the tangible and the intangible you know the 90s was about the intangible it was in the early 2000s you know we've got mp3 now so why do we need cds well, i don't need cds we don't need vinyl we, you know we can carry all this music around in our in our pocket but that's not always what you want to do you know and right. i sit in front i've in my living room i've got two audio sources i've got a turntable and i've got a machine uh, a very nice DAC that streams i think called mqa master quality audio from tidal it sounds amazing uh, but I sit in front of it and I go, switch the Mac on, wait a couple of minutes for the Mac to turn on, load Tidal, Tidal loads, then it crashes, then I load it again, and then it says it's got an update. So I do the update, and that takes 10 minutes, and then it crashes again. Uh, and then I can't find anything, and then I just get really annoyed because I don't know what I want listen to. And then I get um, a record out, and I stick it on. <laughs> so i like this that, that 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 that's a nice way that's a nice way to to bring it back to a a, a positive note yeah we're, it's, we're, stri- it's we're striking balance it's, it's about it is balance. you know it's we need the pra- we need the impractical as well as the practical i think as human beings it's you know it's i don't know yin yang or zen or some shit i don't know <laughs> <laughs> some right. such bollocks yeah something like that whatever <laughs> So we've had philosophy, uh, we've had fun, we've had positives and balance and negatives and all sorts of stuff. Uh, now it's just, time just to just waffle. Get... <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and so now it's time to come back to a, a stable part of the show, a strong and stable part of the show, uh, which we like to call shout outs. Graham, I believe you have an email for us. Yep, I have got an email from our very good friend, Neil Piper. Uh, This one is um, longer and less rude than the last one, so that's always nice. Um, He says, hi, Graham and Aid. I have a question that maybe you and some of your fellow podcast listeners and indeed possibly guests can help with on this one. I have an Olympus OM1, awesome camera, that I was gifted maybe 18 months ago. That's a very nice gift. Um, That was like new when I got it. So so it already sounds like he's really messed it up okay um it performed performed flawlessly until a few weeks ago when it developed 
no pun intended, a rather irritating and intermittent fault. Normally, the camera fires fine on all shutter speeds, but just occasionally, I'll release the shutter, the mirror will go up, and that's where it will stay. Obviously, overexposing the shot. So I'm guessing that not only is the mirror going up, but also the shutter is staying open. Um, you then wind on the film in the usual way, and the mirror returns to its usual position, and the film winds on as intended. Uh, as I say, this is a very intermittent fault, but mega annoying nevertheless. Any ideas on what could be causing this, and also any ideas on places that I could take it to or send it that it could be fixed, uh, or maybe give it a good service at the same time? I am based in East Anglia, but I'm happy to send it away to the right people or company. Um, thanks in advance for any help that you or anybody else can give, and thanks for a great podcast every week. Well, thank you very much, Neil. Um, that's that's a weird one, because the OM-1 is a fully mechanical camera, Um so at least you know it's not electronics fudging it up um so i'm guessing it's probably just something starting to stick in there um hamish have you got you you shot a lot more stuff over the years than i have although you're not really an olympus guy by the sounds of it apart from your little mew olympus make a lot of good cameras uh it's yeah it's broken though isn't it um <laughs> thank you doctor <laughs> science yeah yeah uh yeah, yeah. I, I haven't got a clue but there are, you know, a significant amount of uh, camera repair individuals and companies around around the UK. I've got a list of sorts. Um, it's a bit of a mess, uh, but there's a list on my website. If you search for specialist film camera repair on Google, it more than likely will be at the top. Um I'll do that now. I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you what, what Hamish, while you're doing that, this is this is slightly um, deja vu for me, Graham, because actually I was involved in a Twitter conversation this week about exactly this question. <laughs> Where can you get somebody to do a CLA on an OM1? And the question, the original question, if I've followed back the Twitter stream correctly, came from friend of the show, Dave. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because he did, yes, he has got... Um, uh, an OM1. He got it earlier in the year. Oh, he's broken his already, has he? And, and also, you know what else he had? Is it a Ricoh GSR1? So he's going to be listening to this podcast this week feeling very sad. Thanks yeah. for that, Hamish. Yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so, so Dave pinged me on Twitter earlier in the week, uh, and uh, I say earlier in the week, a bit longer ago than that, actually, uh, to say, um, you know, looking to show my Olympus OM outfit some love. Any recommendations? And as recently as... As, ooh, Friday, um, a name that came I think up. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> yeah, you... in, I think I've probably got it written in front of me. <laughs> Have you indeed? Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's. Uh, uh, yeah, you go first. Then. Yeah, go on. Let you. You can be the expert. So in um, well, so on my so it is. If you, specialist film camera repair will bring up a list um, that's, as I say, very disorganised. Um, there's lots of mixed. Um, specialism people in the UK. If you scroll down to Germany, there's a there's a company called OM Doctor, Frank Timman, T I W M A W N, www.om-doctor.de. All Olympus cameras, but obviously specialist specialising in OM series. Right. Okay. Uh, do you know what? That is not what I was going to say. So yeah, he's we... based out, He's in Hamburg, isn't he? Uh, I've just got Germany, but yeah, possibly. 
okay so uh that is interesting um because uh, that means that we maybe have two candidates so the one that came out of the flicker stream uh not flicker sorry twitter stream uh is somebody uh called miles h whitehead uh, who is based in Kent in England um, and uh, uh, John Burns uh, uh, at John C Burns on Twitter said uh, actually he's sent his OM1 there very recently um, and uh, was so happy with it he sent him a second one so yeah <laughs> so I was just... that gives that gives us two options then for, um, for that's uh, mwcamerarepairs.co.uk also on my list yes it's also on your list is it yeah yeah, I was just trying to find that because I knew John. Had, oh, well, I knew somebody had got in touch, and yes, John was. I have to say, the, the website you'll go there, and it is, I think, a phone number. <laughs> His website yeah. is right up there with my website for a good amount of information on it. But um, yeah, I, I think that was the one that was recommended to me by John, and that seems like a really good first place to try for that. Yeah. Yes. So there you go, Neil. You have someone to try out. So what was, what was that website like- again? MW camera repairs. There's loads of them. There's loads. Of, I mean, there's loads on this list, but I know that my list doesn't even doesn't even. I know I know a I know a camera repair company that I haven't put on the list, and um, because nobody has specifically. Well, the whole purpose of this was that people recommend put those little like testimonials by each, and there's a company in um, Gloucestershire, and there's a couple of Leica repair people that I've list, that I've missed off here. Um, I noticed you haven't I, got my favourite Nikon guy either. I don't think. Uh, who does Nikon and contacts actually, and lives in Burnley? There's going to be loads of people out there. The problem is, of course, as Yuho was pointing out, what happens, you know, when these people die? <laughs> to put yes. one of it, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a reality. I mean, my my the guy I use um, for uh, Phil, uh, he's retired. You know, he's 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 not a. I, mean, I, don't, I don't think he's particularly. He's not old, old, but he's 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 not a young guy. Um, he's the one at the top of the list. That he, he doesn't do. He doesn't. He's he's a. You know, he does repairs for like red dot cameras and people like that. He's a. He's more of an industry within the industry kind of guy. But he'll repair cam repair Leicas if you if you if you ask him. You know, he's not a young chap. Uh, you know, he's not, I'm not saying he's old as I say, but he's not young. And he's a time, and he's not going to apprentice, you know. So, so there you go, Neil. I hope that's answered your question quickly before he dies. Get <laughs> your camera sent off <laughs> to my forehead. Um, thanks jinx, for really bringing no, the mood down there, Hamish. Jeez Louise! No worries. I jinxed that guy, that Steve Harris who makes cricket bats by making a documentary about him. So, <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't joke. Honestly, it's horrible. <laughs> okay do you know what guys i think it's time we wrap up the show uh what do you reckon i don't think i've got any more productive to say (laughs) okay listen um i've said it's reductive yeah but yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay so hamish thank you ever so much for coming on the show uh it's been a joy to talk to you uh we're, we're gonna put this out as our first ever explicit show so there's a landmark for us and uh you know all all good and and lots and lots of fun and um, we usually uh ask our guests at the end uh, at the end of a show uh where they would like our uh, listeners to go and see more of their work uh we've mentioned uh, several bits and bobs of yours is there anywhere particularly you would like uh, our listeners to go I mean, 
the blog. I mean, just go to 35MC. I don't, you know, I put my photos on Flickr if you want to see my photography. I, I'm under no illusion that my photography is particularly interesting. So just go to 35MC. There's like 600,000 words on there. You could, it will take you weeks to get through it. You'll love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> okay. It is an awesome resource. Thank you very much. So, uh, folks, you can get in touch with us at sunny 16 podcast and you can do that on instagram where you will uh, enjoy conversing and sharing photographs with graham uh you can do that on twitter where i will talk to you about occasionally about photography sometimes about whiskey sometimes just ranting about this that and the other uh you can share your photos with us in our Flickr group uh, sunny 16 podcast or you could email us uh which as you know we love uh, sunny 16 podcast at gmail.com and thanks for all of you that do that Hi, Aidan Graham. What camera should I buy? <laughs> we'll you should buy mine. You. <laughs> you should buy my camera, and it's really, really expensive. Yeah, we'll charge you £3,200 for it, because that seems like a fair price. <laughs> That's good, because, that, Graham, what I was going to sell was one of those little plastic panoramic cameras you sold me. It's, it's a good price for a panoramic camera. You should ask for that much for it. Yeah, I think possibly you should. Anyway, moving swiftly on, we like to say thanks every week to Chris because not only does he host our podcast, he also hosts pixelatedphotographer.com where you can talk about uh, photography in a much more long form uh, than you get on places like Twitter and Instagram. Uh, always a good one for those of you that are thinking of uh, taking up the cheap shots challenge and uh, joining us on that because Graham and I have been busy on the whole macro theme recently. At least I have. Uh, yeah, we... and so, sorry, just seeing people, Luke Banfield's got in touch to say he's getting revved up with his. I think um, This Is Jella has been out trying and then finding that a camera breaks instantly. But um, people are getting on this. So macro, 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 everybody. Okay. As the went down. <laughs> yes, it's not something I've ever done, actually. But there you go. I'm, I'm learning as we go through this one. Uh, and, of course, we'd like to say uh, thank you to Rocha for the music that we use in the show. Uh, they have an album called Promises I Should Have Kept. Kept, uh, and you can find that on Amazon or iTunes, uh, which really does bring us to the end of the show. Uh, we will look forward to speaking to you next week. And so all that remains to say is goodbye. Bye. Say bye, Hamish. Uh, bye, Hamish. <laughs> Good luck. <one. laughs>